Hey, welcome to the Knowles 24-7 podcast. This is Brendan Sinone. Joining me, Chris Nee, Josh Newberg. Josh is over the Skype, so he's going to sound a little bit further away, but it won't sound like Chris being on the moon uh, this past week. So progress, not perfection. And I'm here in person, so we don't have to listen to lunar landings. <laughs> this is Chris Nee. Anyways, guys, we, uh, we want to get you uh, caught up on what's expected to be a pretty important weekend for Florida State recruiting. Not maybe as big as last weekend with the official visits, but there are going to be a few key guys here this weekend, including a quarterback that Florida State would very, very much so like. Uh, and it'll also be junior day on Saturday. So there's going to be a lot to go over here. Just kind of run down names is what we plan to do. Uh, first, real quick, a little bit of uh, house cleaning. I think we're going to be migrating our podcast host to a different website. It won't be on SoundCloud anymore, at least in the next couple of weeks. That's the plan. Uh, 24-7 is trying to get all of its uh, podcasts integrated into one umbrella. So that, that shouldn't impact the RSS feed or anything like that. But, but just so you know, there may be a change there, and we'll give you guys more details on that when it does officially happen. All right, with that, let's get going on recruiting news, and we're going to start off with the official visitors. Uh, Josh, take us away on the first and, and most important name on the list, four-star quarterback, John. Is it Reese or Rice Plumley? Have we figured that out yet? I believe. Whatever you want to call him, but FSU needs him desperately. Um, the Georgia commitment is very much open to Florida State. Um, we know that FSU did an in-home visit with him this week. It was just the assistance as Willie Taggart did his in-home visit with him last Wednesday, I think it was. Um, so he's previously visited Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and Auburn. Um, like we said, he is committed to Georgia. Um, baseball will be a factor in this decision. We've talked about this on the message boards, um, but the baseball program at FSU, um, they will be involved somewhat in this visit. His parents are coming in and everything, so they're certain to meet with that coaching staff. Um, very important to land, I believe, him and Lejeune. Um, I think mm-hmm. getting two quarterbacks in this class is critical. Just There's a lot of question marks with both of them, um, or I shouldn't say a lot, but there are. Um, Significant probably, question marks. Maybe not a lot, but those question marks are important. Yeah, yeah. The, the, you know, There are things that could prevent them from coming to campus. Plumlee would be baseball, and Lance, you know, he's, he's close on grades, even though um, it, it is looking optimistic, so... Just for any reason, one of these guys doesn't make it on. I think it's great to have both in your class. Yeah, FSU would definitely prefer to have two in this class at that position as they kind of flip over that room and figure out the future of the quarterback room under Willie Taggart and Kendall Bryles. Plumlee's a guy that Bryles loves. FSU's expecting Plumlee to come with both of his parents as well as his sister. I believe his sister is just a tad bit older than him. I think she maybe is a freshman or sophomore in college. Um they have a few things planned for the visit to make it very centric to the family. Baseball being first and foremost with John. He'll meet with Coach Martin Jr. Meet for lack uh, meet for uh, nickname purposes, and uh, they'll go over baseball, how FSU's interested in him, how he fits into their outfield, and why FSU's a great place for a two sport athlete. Uh, last night's special on ESPN with Deion Sanders <laughs> talking about playing two sports well placed. did not hurt <laughs> FSU's chances in kind of making that point with this young man. And obviously a more recent reference point would be James, James. Winston. Yep. Um, with regards to baseball and Plumlee, I've kind of done some digging this week, talk, talking to some people that know him and the family, uh, people that have dealt with him and recruiting him for FSU and for other schools. Most people don't think he ends up going pro in baseball. He is a very good prospect. He's a very good outfielder, but they believe that he wants to go to college due to college experience 
and that the money won't be so enticing that he can't say no. It will be good money, but it won't be so enticing. He's not, you know, when you talk to people in that state, they talk about Jerry on Ailey, the running back that uh, Clemson and some others are pursuing. He's a guy that's probably going to be a first-round pick or a top 60 pick overall in the Major League Baseball draft. For him to say no to that money is going to take a lot. Uh, with John, it's not quite as big of a lump sum that he's going to see. He's probably more of a top 10-round type guy who will get a good sum offered to him but could easily say no and could easily say no before a team is deciding to draft him. A lot of times with baseball draft teams will call and ask and a kid will say, no, I intend to go to college, so that will drop him because they have leverage and the team thinks it's going to be tough to sign him at slot money and things of that sort. Um, but FSU plans to go all out. They love the kid. They love his athleticism. They think he can do a lot of good things, and it's truthfully what he brings off the field that I think they like even more. Everybody I've talked to about him swears by him as a leader. He's a very clean-cut, good kid, great family. And, like, he went to the Alabama-Mississippi All-Star game, and he got along with everybody. He's one of those guys that just kind of fits in a room no matter what that room is comprised of. And FSU needs a guy like that in their locker room. And that's a guy that they've targeted in this class. That would be important. And and you mentioned athleticism, and that's something that we've written about and talked about before, but I think it's worth going over with with Plumlee. In Kendall Bryles offense, that's going to be a a must. Uh, You look at all of his history of quarterbacks, typically they're guys rushing for at least a few hundred yards. That doesn't mean they have to be an elite athlete, but they have to be a good one and capable and willing to run something we didn't see a ton of this past year in FSU's offense. Yeah, and his arm's kind of middle to road-ish. Yeah. It's not a great arm. It's not a noodle arm. It's kind of in between those two. Well, he's not but, sitting in the pocket and picking But the apart. point somebody made to me, we had Quentin Flowers at quarterback when we had the most success with this offense. Correct. So you don't need a spectacular arm. He's got a good enough arm, and the athleticism well, is great. throw a deep ball, though. I mean, he, yeah, but he likes to get some air under it. But as far as, like, super accurate, throw it in a tight window, NFL-like arm, he wasn't that dude. Yeah, no, no, no. Quentin Williams just liked to throw it. Flowers. Flowers. You're mixing up your Florida boys now. Quentin Flowers and Quentin Williams. (laughs) I've always called – for those that follow recruiting, Quentin Williams was the 2008 Mr. Florida. He went to Jefferson High School, and he was one of the early guys I covered. Anybody named Quentin, I call Quentin Williams. (laughs) And William, Williams went to what, Bethune? Bethune, yeah. yeah. Mr. Florida signed with yeah. Bethune-Cookman. Had a nice little career, but yeah, he was like 5'8", 5'9". Yeah, statistically off the charts. Yeah. I would always do that with Kermit Whitfield. I call him Kermit Washington. Right. Uh, which it's is which is an old school uh, basketball reference. Sometimes you just can't change it. Yeah, just stuck in there. But uh, but yeah, he can. I mean, he could plumbly can push the ball downfield. Like he yeah. can throw the deep ball. That, He's capable enough. I'm just trying yeah. to make sure well, people aren't expecting. Offense. I agree. I think both him and Lance. I, uh, they do have some questions about him, but fitting in the offense, I don't think you know those are the question marks. Bryles earmarked that kid when he got hired. Here. Mm-hmm. That was one of the first kids he pursued. The minute he walked through the door at FSU. Yep. Knowing he needed a quarterback. Uh, yeah, I was told that he ran. I think in our twenty four seven system, Plumlee's recording a four five forty yard dash. I, was, I heard that he went to Mississippi State and ran in the four three. Oh, I, I, I was told a great story about him yesterday. I was told he'll show up to an event, and obviously he's kind of a skinny, homely looking white dude. Mm-hmm. You show up at an event that has a lot of dudes that can run real fast, and all of a sudden you're kind of you know measuring each other up. I was told he loves going into those kind of settings and then running and guys being like, this white boy can move. (laughs) So there's some of that to him. Like he's not so clean cut that he's not competitive. He's ultra competitive. Yeah. He's he's got a lot of characteristics that you want at the quarterback position and that FSU needs at the quarterback position. Uh, Who – 
So who who's FSU competing with right now? I know he's competing with Georgia. I would say Old Miss is the biggest competition. Auburn with Bo Nix is probably not very likely. He likes Auburn, but I think Bo Nix kind of makes it where it doesn't make sense for him to go there type thing. Um, Mississippi State was impressive. He liked their baseball program, but they believe, I believe by all accounts, that Old Miss is the biggest contender. Richrod's kind of earmarked him, loves him. Wants him. He likes Old Miss. He's been there a lot. They did a real good job with the baseball football selling point with him. Even did the classic Bo Jackson shoulder pads bat picture with him in the baseball locker room. Um, so I would say Old Miss is the top contender walking in. I don't think he'll go to Georgia, even though he's still committed to him. And I'm truthfully a little surprised he hasn't backed off it just because he's kind of got the makeup of a kid that's not going to leave somebody hanging. But I don't expect him to go to Georgia. I think it's Old Miss unless FSU can change his mind. All right. Let's uh, let's move on to Jay Ward. And, well, should we talk about Nick Cross with Jay Ward? Are those two related at all? We haven't planned ahead on this. Or should we just go Jay Ward first? Me and Chris had a conversation about this yesterday. We can talk about it together. Okay. You go ahead, then. not related. All right. Go no. ahead, Josh. I'll let you take the lead on that, then. <laughs> Now, Jay Ward's coming in this weekend. Uh, the reason why I say we lump them together is they both play in the defensive backfield, but they play different positions, and they're about 20, 25 pounds uh, different in, in stature. Uh, they're both 6'1", but Jay Ward's more of a lengthy corner at 175 pounds, whereas Nick Cross is kind of the total package at 205 pounds. Um, Cross was going to play safety. Ward's going to play corner. If they, even if they both sign in the same class, that's going to be the distribution on the defensive depth chart. Um, but Jay Ward's a guy that they like regardless. I think that they've kind of uh, been recruiting heavily the last couple weeks, but have known who he is for quite a while. Um, Kentucky, I think, is the team to beat there. He's going to come in on an official visit this weekend. Now, we've talked a lot about Nick Cross. Uh, Cross is currently on campus. Well, he might be leaving campus at Georgia right now and heading to Penn State for his official visit. So he took an unofficial visit to UGA on Thursday. He's going to take an official visit to Penn State that begins today and will run through Sunday. Um, Willie Taggart and FSU, they already had their final face-to-face with him. That was on Monday. Um, coming out of the visit, you know, we were, we were maybe looking to hear if, if Cross was going to shut it down, but obviously that didn't happen. So now FSU goes into the weekend sweating it out, um, hoping that, hoping that I think I think Penn State's probably the biggest threat for Nick Cross right now. Chris, yeah. do you agree or disagree? I'd agree that Penn State probably is because taking in all all the people that making a factor in that decision. Um, the parents, I don't believe, were going with them to Georgia. I believe they're only going to Penn State with them. I was told that Monday when FSU was in the house that there was a comment made. Basically along the lines of, you know, it would kind of be nice to have Nick closer to home. And I was told that comment wasn't by his father, who's been sort of the one thought to be pushing Penn State because of academics. So, you know, it's kind of clear that the message has changed a little bit in that household when it comes to FSU doing lacrosse. Now, FSU felt good when they left the house Monday. They thought if he had to put ink to paper on Monday evening, they would get him. That being said, he's about to spend 48 hours with James Franklin and his group, and it's going to be tough to overcome that. That's one that FSU's going to have to sweat out till ink is put to paper if he doesn't give older schools a heads up prior to. Yeah. Um, and, and, and one thing about the confidence um, from the staff, and this isn't a Willie Taggart thing, this isn't an FSU thing, this is a recruiting thing. Anytime a kid's going to flip, the last people that usually get wind of it are is the team that he's committed to because they're always holding out hope. They're always working hard up until the end that they're going to hold on to him. But just you know, from doing this for over 10 years, I mean, 
That's usually how it goes. The staff usually does have some sort of confidence heading into it, um, as they did with Sam Howell. You know, there was even a, a level of confidence all the way up until that 11th hour. I do believe if the decision was solely Nick Cross's, he would go to FSU. Right. But yeah. at this point, I think it's fair to say that it's not solely his decision. He has to convince his parents that FSU is the right place for him. And he's done that once before when well, he committed he in September. he has to convince his parents, but the FSU coaches also have to convince his parents. It, it, if I'm mistaken here, please let me know. But it seems like there's been a high amount of parents not feeling super comfortable well, there's been putting f- their kids to FSU more so than, than usual. And if I'm wrong, let me know. But it's, That's there's four true. or five examples of but it. But five and seven is different circumstances sure. than we've dealt in the, in the past. Some people have tried to bring that up and diagnose it, and I'm not going to play psychologist. I don't know if it's because of FSU being five and seven or if the culture of FSU is not appealing to them. But, I don't think it's but, that. But this was, some of this was planted even before the season. I mean, the Nick Cross dad thing was before the season yeah, but started. He, he was Sam very House. stubborn with academic stuff. And I think sure. that that message has kind of shifted gears away from solely being about academics this time around. The Sam House stuff was early on in the season, too. I, I'm just saying, and, and maybe it's just coincidental. Yeah, but the House stuff hit overdrive mid to late October when it was pretty clear the season was spiraling away. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then George Pickett's mother put an end to his recruitment to FSU. When and William out. Putnam's parents, you know, yeah. we knew heading down the stretch that we thought but, Putnam wanted to be at FSU, but the parents were, were sold on Clemson. I think um, you have to I look think at it both ways every year, but I, I, I don't think this is necessarily um, something that happened over the last couple months. I think this is more of the fact that it just seems like FSU has been in transition now for over – 14, 16 months. The, the the program, even under Jimbo Fisher, was not stable at the end. Willie Taggart took over and still hasn't really uh, stabilized things. Like You can't really tell which way this program is trending. And I think that just those question marks in themselves lend themselves to some parents um, to maybe caution their, their, their kids on what they're doing. But I think you have to take it on a case-by-case basis. Put, yeah, Putnam, absolutely. it was clear that he and his parents truly – thought it out. And this is in no way a shot at FSU. Clemson is a better decision than FSU when you look at the way the Putnam's thought about the decision. Stability, yeah. what they've done, the success they've had, what they've done at that position, how that position yeah, is. had a different reason. I'm not, saying, I'm not saying that it's all the same reason. And I don't know if it's a trend or not because some years all the parents seem like they're in on FSU, you know, yeah. for, for whatever reason. And, and, and sometimes they're not. I think the Putnams liked FSU from having dealt a little bit with his father when he was on campus here. They liked FSU. Like they Greg liked Fry. the culture. They liked Greg Fry. I think it was just a matter when they compared Clemson to FSU that Clemson seemed to be the better choice. And I'm sitting here thinking, yeah, I agree with that. As things stand today, as things stood December 20th or so when they made that decision, that's a fair thing to say. There had to be a leap of faith for them to decide on FSU over Clemson. Uh, you both in retrospect, you both acknowledge it's all case by case. Uh, yeah. My only point was, and, and I don't cover recruiting anywhere as thoroughly as both of you. That's why I ask. It just seems like that's popped up more in the writing and reporting that's happened this recruiting cycle. Again, when you're five and seven, like you said, like that, that part of it too. But it's, it's just happened more. And I just, it's relationships at the end of the day. That's what recruiting always boils down to. And FSU has done a good job when they've gotten parents on campus of building relationships. Now, in the case of Pickens, that relationship was largely with an offensive coordinator that then left the program. Mm-hmm. So that you know created an instant air gap. And then Sam Howell, who was probably Pickens' closest peer 
with regards to FSU recruiting, exited stage left. Yeah, and game over. And mother was very emphatic that he chooses a school where he's going in with a with a top, you know, QB. Pickens' mother, yes. Yeah, Pickens' yeah. mother. Yeah, Which, she's very much an alpha in his recruitment, and yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. But she is she she runs that recruitment to a large degree, along with George. And it just is what it is. I, I, I think it's something that we're making too big of a deal with currently. If it persists year over year, then sure. But I think in these cases, none of them seem like, oh, my God, hit the panic button. To yeah. That's no, just, I just think, you know, you start winning some games, the program starts heading the right direction, and this whole conversation goes away. Yeah, no one's saying it's, it's a, a real quick fix. No one's saying it's a trend right now. It's just it's happened a few times. That's all. To get us back on track. Yeah, now they have derailed things. Uh, Jay Ward. Jay Ward. Mom and stepdad and little brother are coming with him. He's looking forward to the visit. He had hoped that Kamara might come with him, but Kamara Bell is expected to go Indiana this weekend. Auburn's supposed to be in home with him this morning. Then he's supposed to hit the road and head to Bloomington to freeze his butt off. Um, with uh, with Ira Henry. Uh, yeah, they're hanging those, out. They, they've kind of become good. fast friends, as I understand it. So that's actually so. not a bad thing. For Three FSU. official visits together. Yeah, Auburn, FSU, Indiana, all done Which together. is weird for guys who don't live anywhere near each other. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> on, on the... <laughs> on the Jay Ward back backup plan discussion, I would say from a number standpoint, yes, maybe, but from a position playing the standpoint, no. And they would take both him and Nick Cross. So okay. I don't think you can call somebody like that truly a backup plan. But I think he kind of came about in concerns of maybe losing a DB along the way. But they like him. They knew Johnny Ward. Johnny played for a few of the coaches at USF. The relation Johnny is Jay's older brother. brother yeah. That relationship has been there for some time. FSC really likes Jay. If they truly push for him, I think they'll have a great chance. I don't think they've truly made that full push of, hey, we want you to be part of FSU's 2019 class, which is why you see the crystal balls on Kentucky right now. All right, let's go from one J to another. Jay Ward to Travis J. Travis J is committed to Florida State, shut down his recruitment yeah. a couple weeks ago. That was big for FSU. I think all three of us uh, like him higher than the – the, oh, yeah. the, the I, national I think, rankings, right? I think Travis J is a top 50 player. Josh thinks he's a five-star. I don't think that's far-fetched. I left him just outside my personal five-stars. Travis is solid as solid gets. Truthfully, has been most of the process. <laughs> yeah. um, I presume he's coming with his mother. I don't know that for a fact. He has a basketball game this evening against Suwanee, and then I believe he's coming over after that. I don't know what his plans are tomorrow because uh, Madison plays McClay in Tallahassee tomorrow, midday for hoops. I don't know if he's planning to leave the visit, go play, or if he's just missing a game. He really doesn't like missing games for his basketball team. And I think to some degree that kind of says something about mm-hmm. the young man, that he's that dedicated to his team. A lot of his prior official visit plans that never came about were kind of pushed back or moved around because of hoops. And because, truthfully, he knew he was going to FSU, so he didn't feel like he had to take those visits. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, that's about it with Travis. There's not much more to say. He's a heck of a player. I think there'll be a slight learning curve just because he's going from – Madison, lower-level football. Now, don't get me wrong. Madison plays some football, and those, those guys are hard-hitting, mean dudes that are put through. They're coached very well at Madison. That win, they win I'm saying lot. more the opposition, the speed, the consistent speed all across the field. Yeah. There'll be a bit of a gap there for him, but I think he'll be fine long-term. I'm interested if Travis settles in at corner or safety long-term. I think he's a guy that, skill set-wise, could really play either or they, both. They tried him at both during I kinda the think Akeem Dent, I think Akeem Dent's also in that same conversation. Yeah. I think they're both excellent corners. That can be very good press corners. But if you need help at safety, I think both of them could easily do that, as we saw Stanford do this past season. Yeah, Harlan likes the guys who can – Harlan Barnett likes the versatile 
multifaceted, you know, big big hitters in the in at cornerback or leaner, longer, rangier safeties. And as we saw Stanford play a little bit of both. Both those guys kind of project uh, to be the same. Uh, anything that you want to add there on Travis J. Josh? Other than no, he's, a, he's, he's a, a five-star. Yeah. You guys know that. I'm high on him. Five-star. I'm like Chris. Somebody's got to represent for this fan base. <laughs> yeah, you know me. Not a homer. All right. It's weird vibes going on here. Uh, graduate transfer Ryan Roberts from NIU. Uh, he committed last weekend to Florida State, correct? God, yep, last, last Saturday. Last, yeah, last Saturday. The last Saturday. He's coming down here for an official, uh, a guy that – when when they first got him, and I know he was on the radar, just looking at his his background, I think only like ten career starts at NIU. Uh, you kind of were like, okay, head scratcher. You know, I know you need help on the offensive line, but go ahead and watch him against Florida State last year, and and Brian Burns and, and how he held his own. You certainly see that he's a guy who, I think, worst case scenario is a good swing tackle, someone who can back up both tackle spots and and be much better off than you were in that position a year ago and and up upside is he can start at right tackle for the entire season that's the best case scenario so he's also college ready and he's someone who has played college football for a couple no for four years five years um and has started at the college level and gone against power five teams and yeah to me there's a lot of benefits to to bringing him in i'm higher on him than when i i'm higher on him now than when i was when they first got the commitment from him after watching him a little bit all Good right. job throwing well, it at somebody. Good well, job. Well. On Ryan, I'm not sure who he's coming with. Haven't heard back from him on that. Um, he's a real serious dude. It was funny talking to him last Saturday because, you know, I deal with recruits who are 18, 19, green behind the ears with dealing with media relations. And they'll kind of tell you anything and everything as long as you ask them. With Ryan, he's like, you know, I asked what other schools were involved. He's like, I'd rather keep that to myself. And I was fine with that. I was kind of, you know, I enjoyed that, actually. I told him, hey, it's kind of nice to have an interview with a grown adult. Um one thing to add, I talked to somebody with FSU about Ryan Roberts. One, they really liked him. They were happy to get him. He's not a guy they just settled for. They have played the grad transfer market a lot, but they're trying to find guys they truly believe can help him a great deal next year, and he fits into that. Mm-hmm. And two, Brian Burns said that to somebody on the staff that those two offensive tackles for NIU last year were the best tandem he went against, went against last year, mm-hmm. which – I find it a little hard to be, believe because Mitch Hyatt with Clemson, that group's really good, obviously. You know, they won a national championship for a reason. But I think it's a fair statement that NIU gave Brian plenty of trouble. It's one of his lower production games of last year. He didn't have a and sack. And if you watch and... the video, those guys did do a really high-quality yep. job. And the guy that was playing opposite of Ryan Roberts, who did get hurt in that game, the guy playing opposite of him is going to be a high NFL draft pick himself. So, I, you know. FSU needs help at that position. I have no issue taking college-ready bodies. You know, I hope they go out and get another two or three offensive linemen through grad transfers because they need help next year and they need help long-term. So you take the high school and the JUCO kids, but you also take the guys that are ready-made Band-Aids for one year. Yeah, you turn it over. Um, that's it for the official visitors. Uh, we can pivot real quick. Do we want to talk about Parker Braun? I, I mean, I can throw out there what I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, haven't, we haven't talked about him on the podcast before. F- FSU and the Braun family know each other well. FSU's been involved with Joshua Braun. Mike Braun, which is their father, is a uh, longtime high school coach. He's the AD at Suwannee High School now. Mike is a big fan of Odell. They've always had a good relationship, known each other a long time. The Brawns actually, Mike and Josh, one of some of the Suwannee kids, actually showed up to the ULM game last year because Odell was a head coach. That's the entire reason they came over for that game. So, you know, there's some relationship there. I think it will be Florida or FSU. 
because what he wants to master in, what those schools offer, I think it both fits. They're a big family on education. I think he also really likes the O-line coaches at both schools, Greg Fry at FSU and John Hevesy, I think I'm saying that correctly, at Florida. So right now, I think those are your main two players in the recruitment. He, Parker, and Joshua are both expected at UF this weekend. Joshua for a junior day and Parker for a uh, a visit of his own. I don't know if it's technically an official visit. And uh, Joshua was over at FSU for the Duke basketball game. He was one of the two recruits I know that were there that day, him and Lawrence Tolophilia. Am I saying that correctly, Josh? Tolophilia. Yeah. From Pinellas, the running back. Lejean. They were both there visiting, and uh, Mike came with him, and I think Parker may have even been with him, but just as a family member. He wasn't as a transfer portal kid at that point. He had not entered. But there, there's some groundwork that's been laid there because the families do have a relationship. The Browns are very serious people. They're about academics first and foremost, position coach secondly, and is it a right fit for their son? Third, they've been through this process a bunch. Trey as a recruit, Parker as a recruit, Parker now as a transfer, and Josh as a recruit. And Josh is the highest level of the three brothers as a recruit. So they've kind of dealt with anyone and everyone. They have a great lay of the land. They know what a good O-line coach looks like, and they know what guys not to waste time with. And they kind of know what they're looking for in school. So they're they're very direct about it. As far as Parker getting back to FSU for a visit, now that he's in the portal, I don't know of plans yet. I'll take the responsibility for that one. Uh, Parker Braun's a all-ACC caliber offensive guard from Georgia Tech, for those who don't know. Yeah, sorry. That's all right. Not everyone reads the message yeah, board. Sometimes I think everybody has a working knowledge that we do. <laughs> I, I struggle at that. I'm trying, people. Oh, Try to be better, oh, Chris. Try to be better. Oh. All right, junior day. Josh, you coming up? Uh, yeah, I'm thinking coming up. <laughs> that doesn't sound very definitive. Never mind, he's not coming. No, I'm, I, I think Chris wants to see me. I think I'm going to come up and see Chris. He does exist. <laughs> the bench, you can write about the bench chronicles and do like a, like view Chris how he acts and interacts with people. I'm doing so, a you know, 30 for 30 on Chris and the bench. Dun, dun. I fell asleep before the 30 for 30 last night. So what it's, on the, night. it's on well, the DVR. I was watching something else. I missed it. What if I told oh, you that Plumber's Crack was a real deal? <laughs> All right. I derailed us again. Junior Day. There is a running list that we have on those 24-7. You guys can check it out. Uh, I want to start us off by talking about the quarterbacks. Uh, Jeff Sims from the Jacksonville area is a class of 2020 kid. They like a lot. Gregory Spann from where is it? St. Pete? Is it St. Pete? Lakewood. Lakewood. Uh, both Lakewood's been churning them out recently. I know you like Spann. Isaiah Wynn, Dante Fowler, and Hoops Maurice. The Griffin, Spades, the Griffin brothers, the too. Griffin twins. Yeah, Griffin twins. Uh, Rodney Ryan Adams. going to be in the pros. Hey, Marquez Valdez Scantling. What did. What, with the Packers. What did that team. So that, that Lakewood team had all those dudes. None of those teams won any. Fowler, yeah. <laughs> Fowler's senior year. Oh, Rodney Adams they were, was on that team. Fowler's senior year, they were horrible. But that, that year I they went had to like two games that year, and Fowler and the head coach were button heads like nobody's business the senior year. Yeah, but, he was suspended for two games. Yeah, he year. he missed one of the games I went to. But but they had man, the Griffin brothers so, that year. Isaiah they had win that year. Was uh, awesome they had Rodney Adams. Line. They had it's like five NFL multiple NFL players. That you want to talk about like, FSU O line problems? Get me started on his win. to be Auburn's all time leading receiver. Oh, he was on that team too. Yeah, he was quarterback. He transferred from North. And they went sub 500, didn't they? Man. Yeah. Anyways, uh, 
and then Walter Simmons is a uh, 2021 kid from Oakleaf. Uh, there's a lot of good athletes coming at that position. Again, I think that's a consistent theme that we've seen. Yeah, uh, Florida State kid. wants athletes at that position. Spans a kid that has had an offer for a little while now. Jeff Sims got his more recently. Um, I think Sims is kind of tailor-made for the offense. Mm-hmm. He likes FSU a lot. I'm not going to put him on commit watch because after talking to his high school coach, I think that would be unfair to do. Um, I put a but crystal he, ball in. <laughs> but he, he likes him a lot. There's certainly going to be a major player, and I think there'll be an even bigger player after this weekend. And with Gregory Spann, he came up for Saturday Night Live and threw for Walt. He liked it, really enjoyed it. I believe his dad was in the league, I want to say, with the Jaguars at one point. Same name, Gregory Spann. Um, they actually call Little Spann, I want to say, Little Deuce, I think is his nickname. He's a real good athlete. Got a pretty big arm. He's learning the passing part of the quarterback position to some degree. But he can do a lot of things real well. Yeah. Um, Lakewood High School is about 15 minutes from my house. And I've been talking to a lot of coaches coming through on what they think of Span, And he's pretty polarizing. I talked to a lot of coaches that love him, think he's one of the best in Florida, um, think he's going to blow up. And then I talked to other coaches that tell me, nah, he can't throw it. And, and they're, he's not on their board. So it's interesting. Um, I know he's got to develop, like Chris said, uh, with accuracy and just as a passer. Um, but he's going to be one of these guys. I think I like him. I think he's going to trend up. I think he's going to keep picking up big time offers. He's a three star now. I think you know that. I think that'll rise as well as he develops. But um, he seems like he's he, he's emerging as one of FSU's top targets at the position right now. And for our listeners who don't have a working knowledge of how Junior Day works, I think we've talked about this in past podcasts like a year ago, um, but maybe one of you guys or both of you guys can break it down, basically what, what the day looks like typically. Kids roll in between 9 and noon. They're greeted at the door. They're kind of divided and conquered among position groups and such. They get to know their position coach, sometimes their area recruiter, other members of the staff, and then they're usually taken on a bus tour of campus, shown an academic presentation, have some time with current players to ask whatever they want to ask and learn about the program in that sense. And then they also, if they're higher upper tier kids, guys that program will definitely want or wants to offer or is fully invested in, they'll usually get some one-on-one FaceTime with Willie as the day dwindles down. Guys start leaving anywhere from about three o'clock in the afternoon, you know, three, four, five hour visit for those guys to, you know, six, seven PM in the evening, sometimes even later. There's been guys I've been staying at that door for eight, eight thirty at night in past years. Willie runs a little more of a tight schedule shift. They do a real good job getting guys in, getting guys out. So, you know, I think the action will be 3 to 6 p.m. All right. And then is there anyone else that we have particular interest in or names to follow? I don't know. There's Commitment Watch. Anything else that you want to share with our listeners? I don't have Commitment Watch in me because (laughs) I'm so focused on On 2019. Yeah. But – Hopefully, four-star wide receiver Brian Robinson gets up here. He's a Keem Dent's high school teammate. He's an awesome football player, a guy that FSU would love to be in on. Zane Herring's a name that's familiar. Madison County teammate of Travis J. Offensive lineman. Has been here a bunch. Was here this past weekend. He's supposed to be back over here. FSU's put a lot of work guy. for him. Kobe yeah. Baines is another offensive tackle. He's a teammate of Jeff Sims at Sandalwood okay. over in Jacksonville. You know, looking forward to having him in. And you have the commitments like Jadarius McKnight, Keyshawn Green, and Demory Tate on the defensive side of the ball. They're all expected in. And Ethan Pouncey's a really talented athlete. That Legends game they play in December mm-hmm. for underclassmen. He's a guy that kind of emerged with people. Him and uh, his teammate Marcus Clark. I think they're teammates. They're definitely 
same area kids, friends. I think they're seven on seven teammates. I'm not 100% sure the same high school they're both supposed to be in. So there's a couple good ones in 2020. For 2021, Deontay Shepard's a D tackle that you've done a little digging. From Edgewater, on. yeah. yeah he, he likes very, FSU very a lot. In FSU. Amari Harvey's a local kid from Florida High. Brandon mm-hmm. Woody's teammate, they just offered him. And Brandon Jen- Jennings is a uh, Monster Jennings' son, who's built much more like Monster than BJ Jennings, who <laughs> went to UM was. He's coming in. He's a 2021 kid from Sandalwood. Again, teammates with Kobe Bryant. Or not Kobe Bryant. <laughs> Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant. Sorry, Kobe. Uh, Baines and Jeff Sims. Toby so, Bryant Baines. Went for 81, man. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that, that's about it. That's what I'm looking forward to. Truthfully, with junior days, you get a list together. But when UF's having one, Miami's having one on Sunday, there's other events going on. Kids are not going to show up. Kids that you don't expect are going to show up. So it's very much getting there, seeing who's walking through the door, meeting the kids, meeting the people that bring them, asking who they are, what they are, what's going on with recruiting, and then kind of seeing how the day transpires from an standpoint of FSU's interest expressed in them. You know the kids on a junior day that FSU would take that day compared to the kids that they're just glad came over for a visit that they may have a long-term relationship with. All right. What else we got, guys? Is that everything? Well, no. Oh. Uh, sure. All right. No, I just real quick, I won't be nearly as long-winded as Chris, um, <laughs> mainly because my ADD doesn't allow it, but – I just think there's two guys that I would watch that I would like to see FSU lock down uh, key positions. I think Zane Herring, it would be real nice to add him as potential bell cow of this class. Um, we know he likes to make it over to campus whenever he can. He'd be a great one to lock up now at a position of need that could definitely help out with recruiting. Um, and then I and then I think if Lawrence Toafili makes it up to campus this weekend, um, you, you talk about Florida State not – able to land an elite back last year because of the depth chart. Um, they didn't land an elite back this year in 2019 for whatever reason. So now let's go to 2020 and let's look at the elite backs. I think they're already behind for DeMarcus Bowman. Um, I'm not putting any stock in a kid in California. And when you when you look at the uh, running backs in the state of Florida, I think Toa Philly is one of the best. I think he's leaning towards FSU, and it would be great to get him locked in on the commitment right now. He was up here for the Duke basketball game. He was one that was here in addition to Joshua Braun. And he came up, you know, on it just simply because he's an FSU fan, wanted to see them play Duke. Um, he's been up before. That, that wasn't his first trip to FSU, but, yeah, he came up recently. Followed the visits. And with the running back recruiting real quick, like, I know they've kind of altered their plans a few times for 2019 based on guys entering the transfer portal or whatever. Uh, 2020 was always the class that the staff identified as having a bunch of yeah. regional talents. So they, I wouldn't be surprised if they take a couple they, guys. They love Don Chaney, who's down in Miami, a big back, powerful kid. Is he the one who came up at? He came up for he Saturday up, Night Live, I, I believe it was. I still think Toe Phillies there is the yeah. one that's most interested in that. Kendall Milton's a young man out in California that Josh referenced. Pimp actually went to see him this week because mm-hmm. he has come to campus before. One one slight thing to mention, FSU with 2020 kids, if they made the effort to visit FSU sometime in the last year, mm-hmm. it didn't matter where they were. If they were a kid FSU really likes, they went to see him. So like mm-hmm. Savelle Smalls, for example, out in Washington, they went to see yeah. Kendall Milton out in California. They went to see Antoine Sampa up in the DMV. They went to see. So guys like that, they were willing to go outside the footprint 
invest time. I assume time. they went to go see Chris Tyree since he spent <laughs> yeah. three, yeah. three visits on campus. Tyree's like been a regular, and Tyree's really close to Darvin Taylor, former player for the team who was medically DQ'd, who's still very active around the program. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But yeah, Tyree's a kid they love. He's been here a couple mm-hmm. times, and he's planning to come down again sometime, spring or summer again. Um, and I think FSU will be in that one to the end. Penn State, yeah. Virginia Tech, there's plenty of others, but I know FSU's a school that he likes. So, you know, they're making an effort. With the junior day, uh, you know, like I said, I've been focusing on 2019. I didn't invest a ton of time on trying to construct a list. You know, I checked on guys that were given to me by sources. Chris, and, it's okay. We'll be there. And we spoke to some guys, I know, but it's more I know. about... Chris, Chris doesn't have some pre-list, but he's actually going to be there and have the guys that actually... So you don't need to apologize for not having some mythical pre-list, Chris. And if you miss on guys, people are going to get mad at you. That you Well, yeah, I, I hate lists where you just put names on for the heck of putting them on. Like, we have DeMarcus yeah. Bowman on his list, and I'm losing sleep over that because I wholeheartedly don't expect him to show up. But, uh, yeah, we'll be, we'll be there. We'll have a live thread. We'll figure okay. out who's walking through the door, and we'll throw it up there, and we'll go about our business. And let's give uh, intern extraordinaire Zach yeah. a, a hat tip for putting together the list that's also giving Chris anxiety, apparently. No, no, Zach's, Zach's done an excellent job. I've appreciated Zach taking – Zach took that workload off my shoulders so I could focus on the finish. <laughs> All right. What a year to focus on the finish, Chris. No comment. Chris is more – never mind. I'm not going to let anyone play bingo. I'm not going to comment on your I'm in a good place. I'm just playing it out. You're just at the end of a recruiting cycle. I think no, I've been – The my, threshold for BS is low. My entire goal this week was to figure out who the hell do I have to care about between now and Wednesday. I forgot I, for, guys. I forgot something. The uh, Griffin kid how did, from, from he Atlanta. He canceled his visit. Why? <laughs> I don't know. At, at he, this point, it really doesn't matter why. Right. F, it, it, it's over. If FSU is um, taking an offensive athlete, it will be named Alante Brown. That, yeah, that's what five that or six now. days deciding day. Griffin's not on campus this weekend. Move on. Yeah, you don't. He's just not a name that you need to know anymore. I was told Willie wasn't using jet fuel on jet fuel on Charles Moore. I quit caring about him. It's instantaneous for me right now. It's who do I need to care about? Actually, you didn't. You were in the group chat telling us that you think Moore is going to go to like Auburn or something. And well, yeah, I care about that because I'm, consi- <laughs> I'm considering the crystal ball. But from an FSU perspective, I quit caring. <laughs> Eugene Asante, not going to see him? We're good here. Like, I'm done. No, I agree. Like I, I said, the threshold for BS for Chris right now is I'm basically, razor thin. I'm paying razor attention thin. to Alante Brown, those three O-linemen, the two quarterbacks. I think that's about it. Is there any, Oh, and Jay Ward, I guess. Is there uh, anybody no, 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 else? No, we'll forget one. Since we're here, let's get a, a uh, update on Darius Washington from our Darius Washington expert. Yeah. What have you learned while hiding in the bushes, Sinone? No comment. With the Knowles 24-7 podcast, this is Brendan Sinone. Thanks for joining us, guys. Uh, we'll be back we on. We literally hit on every prospect <laughs> on the board, and you thought you were going to get out without doing this Darius Washington update. Shame on you, Brendan Sinone. Uh, all right. With the Knowles 24-7 <laughs> podcast, this is Brendan Sinone, Chris Snee, Josh Newberg. Thanks for joining me, guys. Uh, I think we should all have a podcast on Monday. And no, do, let's uh, do one live from the green bench on Tomorrow. I'm not I'm not going to see either of you tomorrow. What if I'm in town? You're not gonna come by and see I'll get lunch with you after. Okay. We'll meet for lunch. Where should we go to lunch? I'm excited to be in Tallahassee. You remember how to get here? (laughs) 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 I wanna do a crystal ball podcast on Monday. Can we commit to that right now? Crystal ball special. We'll do it in the evening. I will let you have some bourbon. 
All right, no BS. Guys, one more time with the Knowles 24-7 podcast. This is Brendan Sonoma. We'll talk to you next time. See ya.